Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we are given opportunity to recall our history as Lutheran Christians and celebrate that history, its origins that found a hammer and nails in the hands of an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther as he posted 95 Theses on the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, which is in present-day Germany. That was the proper protocol to post topics in that day for debate. The church door was the bulletin board for such purposes. It was there in Wittenberg that Luther was a professor of, at first, Old and then also New Testament, as well as a very popular parish priest. His guiding principles, while not specifically stated as such at that time, but which developed to be known as the watchwords of the Reformation, were sola gratia, sola fides, sola scriptura, to which we need to add sola Christus, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, only through the merits of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ alone. The point of controversy that led to the thesis posting was the sale of indulgences, which could offer a plenary or full indulgence, thereby providing a clean slate for the deceased relatives of the purchaser of the document of indulgence. In other words, as they were dead, someone could purchase an indulgence and they would have forgiveness of sins. It's already too late. There is forgiveness of sins given freely for Christ's sake, that all who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior receive that forgiveness without any merit or worthiness in them. But they would be granted complete removal of their sins committed since baptism, all for the price of an indulgence. Luther took issue with the practice, citing that the preaching of indulgences would lead Christians away from true repentance and genuine good works. Our good works are always in response and thanks to God for the gifts that he gives us, and they're always for the benefit of our neighbor. Ultimately, this practice robbed the atonement of Christ, Christ alone, and the redemption he earned as he experienced the hammer and nails of those who unjustly crucified him. We gather here uh, this morning, as we do every Sunday morning, to rejoice in the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life that we have not through the purchase of an indulgence or through the credit of a good work done, but in accordance with what we just sang in our sermon hymn, By Grace I'm Saved, Grace-Free and Boundless, My Soul Believe, My Soul Believe and Doubt It. Not. Yet even in the midst of such assurances from the Lord, given through Scripture alone, we are nevertheless human beings. Human beings who are assaulted by temptation and doubt as well as pain, loss, and our fair share of trouble. On Thursday, I received a call from a man whom I did not know, but who obviously needed help. He had come to this area to take a job he had been recruited for. But he had to undergo a physical exam, and upon undergoing this physical, before employment, it was discovered that his lungs were riddled with tumors. 
more than likely due to a, an earlier exposure to asbestos. While he had experienced uh, some shortness of breath and maybe an occasional cough, he did not suspect that he was even ill, much less terminal. Now without a job and with a death sentence, he, would not, he was not going to share with his son through a long-distance phone call. He was reaching out to a Lutheran pastor for help so that he could get to his son. Life is full of detours, U-turns, plans unfulfilled or at best changed or challenged. To go along with the what-ifs, the how-longs, and the how-bads. What do you say? Where do you go? What can you do when things seem to just be falling apart? This Reformation Sunday, the familiar psalm of inspiration for Luther's A Mighty Fortress, Psalm 46, will serve as our text as we consider how the Lord is an ever-present help in trouble, whatever, whatever that trouble might be. Here, the words of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord, and this is our text. Luther picked up on the psalmist's confidence that God was his fortress in the midst of some very troubling things so that he could write confidently that the God of Jacob was his mighty fortress who helps us free from every need that hath us now or taken. In the psalm that is our text, the writer describes all kinds of natural disasters, geopolitical turmoil, interpersonal conflict, and all kinds of other stuff that happens simply because we are an imperfect people living in an imperfect world, which however does not keep us from wanting things in our lives to be perfect. What happens? What happens when we realize that the events described in our text are truly things that confront us in our lives either directly or indirectly? International chaos and interpersonal conflicts, economic turmoil, geological distress, emotional anxiety, family dysfunction, and so the list continues. All the while, there are many questions that assault us. Where is God? 
How should we understand what is going on around us in our relationship with Almighty God? How should we as Christians respond during these difficult and even intimidating times? In good Lutheran terminology, we're sometimes left to ask, what does this mean? The psalmist makes it clear from the top about how people of faith should understand things when troubles of life overwhelm us. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. But we do. Then the author of this psalm describes three scenes. Did you notice them? The first scene describes hurricanes earthquakes, tornadoes, volcanoes, and other natural disasters. Heard of any of these things lately? Sure you have. We will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Don't we see this and hear about these things all the time? maybe even have experienced these things. The earth is giving way. The mountains are falling into the sea. The rivers, the oceans are in chaos. The earth is quaking and trembling. But right in the middle of this scene, what are we given to see? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. A river is seen. The kind of river that when people see it, they are glad. The kind of river that warms the heart of God. The kind of river that when the people of God see it, they cannot help but rejoice. The kind of river that seen in the midst of chaos, people stand and say, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. This is an ever-present God who is always our help in trouble. The second scene is one that is played out on television and computer screens and splashed on the front pages of papers and magazines. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Pick your place. Pick your place. Syria and Iraq, the desert scene with a man dressed in orange on his knees and a man dressed in black with his face covered because he is a coward. There's a knife in his hand and you know what is next. And your imagination struggles with that and your heart goes out to his family who have pleaded for mercy. Their God knows no mercy and he is no God. Their God knows no mercy and he is no God. Maybe it is a message that your credit card information has been compromised because of computer hackers whose origins are in Russia doing the bidding of a government that is hell-bent on returning to another time of totalitarian control. 
and the fear that returns as a remnant of the Cold War. And then we see the, we see the carnage from a plane full of innocence that was blown up in the sky. Or maybe we continue to wonder who was responsible and whatever happened to another airliner which just simply disappeared. Probably not connected. But God is an ever-present help in whatever your trouble is. Whatever it is that troubles you, there are no longer chariots, but tanks and warplanes and even drones that wage the battle. Or it could be news from a school in Washington State or the recent memory of a real estate agent in the wrong place at the wrong time. And in the midst of this turmoil, the psalmist reminds us, the Lord of hosts, the God of Sabaoth, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our God is our mighty fortress and ever-present help in trouble. He is a place of safety, is a place of security, is a place of eternal hope. The third scene beckons us to come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Here we have a description of the mighty, holy, unbridled power of God doing things that God in his wisdom sometimes does without our comprehension or even our acknowledgement or even our realization Sometimes God's mighty, holy, unbridled power intersects with our lives. And there's collateral damage. But right in the middle of all this, right in the middle of all this, what do we hear from the psalmist? A voice, God's voice. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Know that he is an ever-present help in trouble. So which of these three scenes do do you see in your life right now? Natural calamities where things are falling apart in your home or with your health. Interpersonal conflicts. Could it be the inexplicable, holy, unbridled power of God who sometimes, where sometimes stuff just happens and does so no matter what you're doing or what you're thinking or what you could possibly do to keep it from happening, but it just happens. How are you dealing with these troubles? In the middle of the anxiety and the uncertainty, how is your faith? Maybe the better question is, where is your faith? In whom is your faith? Did God really say? Without knowing it or even intending it, Luther found himself in the midst of a conflict that rocked the world of his day. His posted thesis, which urged discussion, even debate, wound up changing the face of Europe and later the world and confronting Luther with the threat of death and for him, even worse, excommunication from his church, the official word that his soul would spend eternity in hell. That was the word for Luther. Where could he put his faith? In whom could he put his faith? As for Luther, so too for us this morning, 
no matter what our troubles, no matter what our temptations, and they are many, may, may be the Lord, the God of Jacob, comes to us as he came also to Luther, saying, Be still. I am your refuge. I am your strength. I am your fortress. I am an ever-present help in trouble. I will not leave you or forsake you, wrote the writer of the letter to Hebrews as he encouraged those early persecuted Hebrew Christians to fix their eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of their faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Then Jesus comes to us and says, Be still and know. Be still and know that your sins are forgiven through my blood which I shed for you and for all. Be still and know that you were joined to me in the waters of holy baptism where you were given eternal life as you were rescued from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. Be still and know that a table is prepared for you at the eternal heavenly banquet hall. But know at the table of this altar you are given forgiveness of sins and a foretaste of that feast which is to come. Be still and know that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God, my Father, that he has shown you in me. Jesus' words for us. When things are not working for you, when things are falling apart, we can speak these words to one another. We will not fear. Be still. We can read to ourselves. And we can read to one another these words. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. We can confidently await the day of his coming. Comforted by his words, be still and know that I am God. I am your God. And ever-present help in trouble. Amen. May this peace of God which surpasses our human understanding guard our hearts and guard our minds in faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.